When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Table of Who podcast. I am your co host, Coach Mapes, aka J Mapes, here. With uh Kings, yes, sir. Um, get it out the way. Thursday was nasty. Run it up, yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I, I did my victory lap on Deep Thirds podcast. Y'all go tune in to that episode 16, <laughs> Deep Thirds podcast times Temple of Hoop. Go check that out, y'all. Right on, yeah, man. Uh, you know, like I said, I am taking a break from football until December 26th. <laughs> no tweets, no eyeballs for me. Uh, my mental health, man. I can't. I can't do it. I need a month. It was a bad week for you, man. The uh, the count. The Cowboys lost. The Raiders won. The Niners won. <laughs> I mean, it's just. I, I actually don't hate the. I don't hate the Raiders outside of playing the Cowboys. Like, it's like I had a timeline banter. Like when the Raiders win, it doesn't move me like that. Like, I, like I've always low key supported the Raiders, but it's just a banter between between. Yeah. You feel me? I I, I, had to, I had to take that pack on a Thursday. You feel me? In between plates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, big week of hoop coming up. Uh, marquee matchup of the season thus far on Tuesday. Warriors eighteen and two, winners of seven straight. Suns seventeen and three, winners of sixteen straight. Uh, they play Thursday in Phoenix. Um, let's hop right into it, man. Who who has impressed you more? This this season really, and I know you have both these teams in your top four. I think so. You were expecting yeah, it was actually my in my in my top three in the West. That has yeah, Phoenix yeah. two, Golden State three. Yeah, yeah. So I know you had the uh, you were you were high on both teams, but who's just based on what they put on on tape so far? Who you liking? I mean, it has to be Golden State. I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected this kind of start. Uh, down Clay Thompson, down Wiseman. You know, for them to be eighteen and two. Uh, on a sixty-plus win pace. I mean, it's it's, it's really it's seventy. Like, it's really seventy. We just expect right. them to, to slow down. <laughs> yeah, we expect them to slow down, but really on on a seventy-win pace. I mean, and this is without example. This is like I said, without Clay Thompson, without Wiseman, who are in the G League, ready to ramp up and get back on the court. So, man, it's 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 no not enough to be said by them. They're balling on on both sides of the floor. Draymond is back to his all-world defensive ways. Steph Curry's back to his all-world offensive prowess. And what it really is, I mean, because granted, none of those two really lost those abilities. What it really was is they got guys that that fit the scheme. Uh, you know, for all the talk about Steve Kerr, and you know, I, I, I was one of them, so I'm not going to just throw everybody else in the bus. I was one of them, you know, talking about Steve Kerr. He's overrated, this and that. But it's like, I mean, sure, anybody who has a scheme that's elite and doesn't have the right guys for it, it's not going to be successful. 
You know what I mean? You know, if Bill Belichick doesn't have his players, he's not going to look good. You see, he has his players this year and he looks good. You know what I mean? It's, it's just what it is. If you're, if you're a coach, you have an elite scheme. You need guys that fit your scheme. Make. And uh, Kerr has that this year. He got, you know, smart guys, you know, Bill and, uh, Joe and Chica. You got uh, Iggy back or Dre. Yeah, I know he don't like that nickname. You got Dre back. You know what I mean? You got a uh, nice little young, uh, high IQ guys like Kaminga. Uh, JTA, a very smart jail guy who can come in. And got, these are guys who don't mind playing any minutes that they're asked, mind you. They're not going to pout uh, if the coach asks them to play X amount of minutes, they're going to play X amount of minutes. And then you have Wiggins, who's, you know, people were, you know, low on Wiggins coming into the year and this, that. But uh, he's balling out his mind. You know, he, he's he's playing that, like an all-star, bro. All-star. Like, he's like, playing like all-star that, on both ends, dead ass. Around 20 points a game, shooting almost 40% from three. Uh, 50% from the field almost and uh, playing good defense as one of their top wing defenders, the guy who they put on that as uh, coach Ricky G would say guards, the other dudes on the team. So, I mean, it's, it's a well-oiled machine right now playing at a completely high level auto Porter juniors automatic from the corner. I mean, like if teams are going to guard Steph, like they have, he's playing with bums. You're going to get, you're going to lose by 20. And I mean, if you're going to leave, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter, Jordan Poole, Ope, they're going to score 30. Like, I don't know what to what teams expect. Those guys aren't scrubs. Yeah, so that was wild. Them wide was, open. Yeah, that was wild to me. Just, I'll, I'll let you keep going. But that, uh, on that point, that watching that Raptors Warriors game, when Nick Nurse did the same exact thing he did in the finals, when everybody got hurt with no KD and no Clay, I'm like, why are you playing that same defense? Like, it's Quinn Cook and. Those guys out there, so you know, yeah. I mean, these are these are these are real are talented NBA players. You're telling them that oh, you're gonna be left wide open. You're basically telling them that they that they don't belong in the league. These are guys who you know are gonna be signing big contracts or on big contracts like Andrew Wiggins, who were prodigies coming in. You telling them that they can't play hoop? Of course they're gonna give you thirty, dude. Like like you know, what I mean, so it's it's teams are gonna have to adjust. Um, it's also a thing where Steph Curry's gotten better defensively. You can't really hunt him as much as before. The added weight he's put on has helped him even more on that end. And he's always been better than what people thought on that end, always been above average. But he's morphed into an actually good defender, I would say. Uh, very good at guarding multiple guys and, and holding his own. Um, so it's going to be really tough, man. You're going to really have to be able to guard Golden State straight up. You're going to need guys to be able to challenge them on defense. As well as be able to guard on, on, uh, on, uh, on guard them when they're on offense. So it's gonna be really tough, man. I, they're a problem, though. Like I, the only team in the, it's, and we talked about this, I think, on on, on the pod with our, with the dudes on deep thirds. The one main team I see that can give them problems because they have the ability to challenge them on defense as well as offense is Milwaukee because they have the guys who can stay in front on the perimeter. They got the bigs that can move and are super athletic and who are going to punish them on the inside in Giannis. They can space the floor, Portis. They got the wing size, uh, you know, uh, with Hood, with uh, Jordan, Nor uh, Noir, and then you have Grayson Allen, good size. Um, you know, when Dante comes back, that's even more perimeter prowess as well as shooting. So outside of them, I, I really don't see a team that matches well with Golden State on both ends. Maybe, maybe Phoenix, maybe yeah, Phoenix. That, yeah, or, that, that's or, what... and, and there's one more, a healthy Clippers. A healthy Clippers with Kawhi, I, I can see that. 
Yeah, that and that was I, I, I was gonna ask about uh, possibly things, but yeah, just talking dubs, man. Just like I said about Kerr, I think the, the you know getting off Ubre and Baysmore, and Ubre's actually having a decent year in in Charlotte. So there's nothing against him as a player; he's having a decent year. But just getting guys that fit, like replacing those two guys with you know Otto Porter and Iguodala, bringing Iguodala back, and be at least just smarter players, man. Just completely, you know upgrade the roster in addition you got you know steve curtis say famous you know we're chasing wins this year i think last year they kind of knew what the ceiling was and just kind of let it rock so yeah i'm looking forward to ahead to tuesday so why my thing with phoenix is i, I think they match up is interesting i'm really gonna it's a lot of it's gonna come down for me to, to aiden versus dre when the warriors go small because yeah. i think the thing with aiden until they played the bucks where Giannis was just too much like they punished every team that tried to play small against because Aiden was just that good on both ends. Like you could, they couldn't mm-hmm. hunt him on switches. Uh, he took advantage when he got the ball inside. He had great touch. So I'm really interested to see how the how I think that matchup is going to dictate a lot about how far, how or how this goes. You know, with the with Phoenix and and, and uh, Golden State. So what, what do you think about the like those? Yeah, two that's going to be that's going to be real key. Uh, Aiden's going to really and the thing with. He has a size advantage on Draymond, but Draymond's not no regular small ball five. That's true. You know what I mean? He's going to challenge him in the post. Draymond has great lower body strength, great IQ, knows how to challenge and knows how to disrupt uh, a guy's uh, go-to moves and make you have to use your counter. So Aiden's really going to have to use his move set or he's going to have to really get quick, make quick decisions, seal and get, get shots up. And also, here's the real second thing, the Phoenix Suns are going to have to trust him. The Phoenix Suns are going to have to trust. Can we get to the ball? Can, can we feature you and come away with a good possession, come away with points? Because if they're having, you know, wishy-washy uh, faith in Aiden uh, succeed on the small ball five, is going to be tough for them because that small ball defensive line for the uh, Warriors is a problem, especially when you have, uh, like I said, Curry's been a capable defender now. Uh, then you add Wiggins, who's a very good defender in that scheme. Then you have – Andre, and then you have Clay there. Like that's a that that's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? That's going to be a problem. So if you can't exploit the size advantage Aiden has, and you're trying to now beat Clay, uh, Wiggins, uh, Steph, and Dre off the uh, and Andre Vidal off the dribble with Draymond help captaining them and all of them moving on the string and knowing how to fill in their defense rotations, that's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. It's going to take a lot out of you. It's going to take a lot out of Cam. It's going to take a lot of Mikael Bridges to really beat great defenders off the bounce because you can't just rely on Devin Booker to just do it and take you home all game or Chris Paul at an older age to do it. So it's, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that that perimeter offense. And, it, like, they really have to get Aiton to be the best player in that series against the, the Warriors. I think that's their only chance they have of winning that series. Yeah, it's crazy. They play three times. They play three times, like, in the next month. It's like right. Tuesday in Phoenix, Friday at Chase Center, and then on Christmas Day they play. So, like, they, they're going to see each other a lot in the next month. Um, I'm also looking forward to, man, is, uh, you know, Book against Wiggins. You know, I think that's going to be real, mm-hmm. real fun to watch those guys going at it, you know, trying to uh, – Wiggins trying to guard him. And then obviously Chris Paul and Steph is always, you know, fun to watch when those two go at it, you know, two all-time legends. Um, so yeah, that that that's gonna be something uh, special to 
to watch on Tuesday. I can't wait to tune in that. It's going to be fun. You know, every now, the regular season, you get these marquee matchups. I think both teams are going to be up for that one. I think both teams are trying to establish themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix, Phoenix trying to show last year wasn't a fluke. And then the Dubs, you know, they think they're back. So I think Tuesday, like both teams are coming with the with, with haymakers. So I can't wait to watch that. Uh, uh. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, the whole way through. Um, so the Suns, you know, they won 16 in a row. They did just beat the Nets uh, pretty badly. Or not pretty badly. It was comfortable. They had them up early. The Nets, the Nets made a run. But they, they, they I, I, when I watched the game, I never thought that the Suns were in trouble. I, I just put it that way. I never thought that right. they were in trouble. Um, couple of stories that game. We'll get into one. Um, James Harden really struck. I think a lot of it had to do with Mikael Bridges is just an exceptional on-ball defender. Man, um, he's been, he's been yeah. balling on defense this right. year, man. Right. So um, Harden had another rough game uh, scoring. Uh, he's down like 19 points a game, but it's really inefficient. Um I don't think he scored over 20 without getting 10 free throws this year, which is kind of wild given his, uh, his prowess. Um, so after the game, Harden was talking about his difficulty, um, how he's having trouble, you know, recognize when to press the, you know, press as a score or press as a creator. It's difficult for him. Um, to me, it came off wild because he had no problem doing that in Houston because he had the ball all the time. He just kind of read the game in front of him. I think that was, you know, at his best, obviously. So, what what, what do you think his issue is right now in, in uh, Brooklyn? I think the turn. I think he's on pace to be. I think like top five, you know, most turnovers in NBA history in the season. Like that's the pace he's on right now. He's just really struggling, uh, you know, in the half court, creating wise and just reading the floor. So, what, what do you think his issue is? I mean, it's, it, it's like he's physically cooked. I, I mean, not not in the sense that he's he's not capable, in the sense that he's lost a significant step. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what was it Bear was talking about when he was on the pod with him? He's talking about how you see Harden getting picked every night now. You know, That's crazy. Every night he's getting <laughs> picked happened. by somebody. Never like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like he, his handle is shaky. He can't, he's, he's struggling to beat dudes off the bounce. And it's like he was already somebody who was kind of challenged athletically. So for him to lose a significant amount of athleticism is hurting him uh, physically. Now, he's a very crafty, skillful guy, so you would expect him to compensate other ways. But this is where the rule changes come in because the other ways he'd be compensating is now the league is saying, well, you can't be doing that every single night on the regular season. You know what I mean? And, and if you can't do that every single night in the regular season, you for damn sure nothing to do it in the playoffs. So it's like he he's saying that he doesn't know when to 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 play make when to score. That's not him saying that because he doesn't know. That's him saying that I'm struggling and I don't know how to get I don't know how to shake this off. That's the, that's basically what he's saying. Because let's be real here. Harden knows when to play make, he knows how to read the floor. He knows, he knows how to read a defense. What he's saying is, 
I don't know. I'm struggling to get going, and I don't know how to get going. Yeah, like, like that's that's how I'm reading it. I mean, yeah, for me, just just uh, watching him, like I, I've picked up my watching of of, of the Brooklyn Nets, um, mainly because KD's just been incredible this year. But just watching hard, I think it's is it to you? Is it the weight he's put on? He still looks like even for him, who he's always been like a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he still seems like he's a bit heavy. And I think that's that's probably he's got to get in shape. That's to make the and he's also to be fair, he did try to play through. I think was up being a terrible decision trying to play through that hamstring injury instead of just calling it a, a series last year that may be lingering. So I think it's a couple things leading into it. And also I think Harden is a, is a confidence player. So when yeah. he's not confident, that's when you get the second guessing and the turnovers and getting picked. So I think he's just got to get his his confidence up. But um, I thought. You raised a great point when we were recording on the deep thirds with those guys. It, people kept saying that, you know, it's okay. They don't they almost got to the finals without Kyrie last year. The point you raised I thought was incredible was KD got to skate by and played half the season last year. That's why mm-hmm. he had all that juice left in the playoffs. That is definitely not going to be the case this year. If anything, he's going to be overexerted. Uh, case in point, he played the last 33 minutes of that game, which to me is insane. Uh, from Nash's standpoint. Man, 45 minutes in that game. Yeah, I'm like, but the last 33 in a game in November, like, it's damn near worth it to just punt the game at, at a certain point to just like, okay, Honestly, like, you're not going to kill this dude in November. You know, it, it's like, it's because, you know, they're able to have injuries and then rest guys because they were injured and not play them. It's like, it's like now this year, it's like they're using the same formula, but it's like, Unless KD is hurt, you can't. You're not gonna. He's not gonna be able to get the rest he got last year. And if KD's missing significant time, that's a problem because Kyrie's not there. Exactly. So it's like, so it's like they have to approach this way more smarter. Um, it's a long season. It doesn't matter if Kyrie comes back. If KD's compromised going to playoffs, you already see that Harden himself is compromised. And that's another thing. Harden has to play big minutes right now too. So if he's already compromised now and he's playing big minutes, it's just going to keep adding on. Like, I don't know if people think that if he just keeps playing more, he's just going to – I mean, I guess they're banking on getting in shape because I remember I did – I told you guys, you know, Vinay, I did see uh, – catch him in a game. I said, man, has he always looked like that this season? You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> maybe he maybe he plays himself into shape. But it's like in terms of him getting healthier by playing all these minutes, I don't know. That's a wild theory to put out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thinking if he just keep playing, he's just going to – bounce back from that hamstring and you just feel better playing all these heavy minutes, you know, not in shape. Like, I, I don't know if people think that's that's a reality. I, I, I can't see that. But all these minutes between him and K, K, and K, uh, KD, it might not even – not like, it, I already had them struggling with the Bucks healthy, but if them two are compromised with Kyrie, who's going to be rusty as hell because he hasn't going to be played most of the year, like, you know, I don't think people understand what's going on right now with, with the Nets. And you know what? I get it. They have the talent, all that. But hey, bro, it, it takes more than talent. That's that's all I gotta say. But you know what? I, I will say this. Like all that being said, even when Harden struggles, honestly, because you know KD is playing at the MVP level, they're still the number one seed in in, in the East, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like the 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 ceiling. No, of course, of course, ceiling's falling in. But you're we, you're looking ahead towards you know what's coming. So I I, I get what you're saying. Um, but you do have Patty Mills. Uh, Arthur's actually played well offensively against the the Suns, so I just you know we'll we'll see what happens. But 
So I got to ask, you did mention Kyrie. Is he, do you think he's coming back this season? <laughs> the way they talk about boosters, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Yeah, I think with the the not to get all science and get off topic, but I think with the new variant or whatever, I just think I, I don't see anything being eased up. That, that's you know, yeah, that, no, yeah. Now we got this variant talk yeah, too, that's, man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's man. What, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, they're not easing up on this. So yeah, at least not with the vaccine talk. I mean, I'm not saying we'll be any lockdown type of situation, but the vaccine talk, yeah, that's not going nowhere. <laughs> not that's not going nowhere. Yeah, so that's you know. And, and I do like watching Kyrie play. I, this was, you know, the whole situation is sad. We get the jokes off, but, you know, it is a better league when, you know, you got teams at full strength and battling out so we can see yeah. who's really, really the best team. So, <clears throat> Paul, when you hear this, don't get mad that we drug the Nets a little bit, man. We still think they're good. I know Paul be, <laughs> Paul be giving us the, the blow by blow after about what you didn't like about the, <laughs> the show. The next uh, he, 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 hates, <laughs> he hates that we anti nets, but hey, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, we like I said, we still have them winning. We still have them as a finals team when they're fully there. But it's not. Hey, we just have to push back on because remember when they got together, how easy everybody said everything was going was going to be for them. So it's like, you know, what I mean, it's like, it's it's not it's not an easy process. Like, and we have to push back on why it's not an easy process. And tell people you can't just stop out stockpile talent and neglect certain aspects of the game that matter. You know what I mean? That's all. That's all it is. That's all it is. Everyone got flaws, but this is still an elite team. This is still a title contender. Right. Shout out Paul tweets too much, man. We got love for you, man. We appreciate you. <laughs> Speaking of one of those uh, teams that are potentially going to be in the Nets' way, um, Milwaukee uh, started out six and eight. Uh, everybody was worried a little bit. They got their big three back, have not lost a game since. And honestly, the games have not been competitive. Um, they've been kind of boat racing everybody. And they still have uh, waiting on Dante to get back. So um, I'm holding on. If the Nets get Kyrie back, I'm, ho- I'm holding on to my Nets to the finals pick by a thread. But Milwaukee looking scary, man. Um with everybody there, they're, they're still missing a couple pieces. Brooks not back, Dante's not back. Those are two key rotation guys. So, talk to me about these Bucks, man. I mean, like, what, what's there to say? I mean, what do we <laughs> tell everybody? They were just they. Everyone was in the hospital. I mean, right. that's that's why they were losing. Everyone was in the hospital. I mean, when you got Drew back, you got Milton back, and what happened? You start winning games. It's not it's not rocket science. It was in the hospital. They came back. Now they win it. And as they get healthier, they're going to keep winning more games. That's just what it is sometimes, man. People are trying to make a, a statement with the Bucks and try to uh, tie it into Lakers. Like, bro, the Bucks are not, not the Bucks were not playing bad. They were just hurt. Like, that's a different, that's a whole different situation. Come on, man. Yeah, I remember that that was one of the pushback from a lot of people in, in, in the Lakers circle that, well, look at, look at Milwaukee. And we we're like, well, when Milwaukee is there, everybody's there, they play well. Exactly. Like, come on, bro. That was a difference. Yeah. So, my thing with uh, Milwaukee, I got to ask you: Is there any way you see they keep this up for Giannis to get a third MVP? Or do you think the voters have voter fatigue with him right now? Man, or 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 Steph just kind of ran away with it at this point. I think it's going to be Steph because of the resurgence and the Golden State story. They're going to give it to Steph. 
But Giannis is balling, man. He, he's balling. But I think he's in a ter- he's in a situation where he's kind of stockpiled some awards. So for him, it's now let's stockpile the playoff success and really cement myself as an all-time great. And then with that, and obviously continue regular season success, more regular season accolades will pile up on him. All right. Yeah, I just wanted really wanted to give Milwaukee some love. You know, just it seems like this as a defending champion, um, with the, all the Lakers and and Nets injuries last year, a lot of people it's like what they did in the, as far as getting the championship is just kind of like ho hum, or kind of like neglected because like well you got teams injured we feel like things would be different. KD's you know big ass foot wasn't on the line it would have been over <laughs> blah 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 you know what I mean it's just like you know. My thing is, at, at every championship run, there was some at, – at, in some round, stage, or point in, in your run, you got breast with a stroke of luck. If you can go back through every single championship run, unless the ones that are, like, uber-dominant, like, you know, Lakers in, in the bubble were, were dominant. Uh, the Warriors that first year with KD, when they went 16-1, like, they were dominant. So, but, like, aside from situations like that, I think there was luck at some, you know, point in every championship run. So, you know – Definitely don't want to take away from anybody's ring. Kings, I know you don't want to talk about these boys, but we have to. Um, <laughs> Kings, before we recorded, Kings was like, man, I don't have nothing to say about the Lakers until the trade deadline. But uh, we got to. We got to. That's what the people want. They, they got to hear you. They got to hear your rants, man. Um it's 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 a lot going on with this basketball team. Um healthy tonight. Tonight, I think it was some ups and downs because they won, but you got great offensive output from Westbrook, LeBron, and A D, yet you're skating by the lowly Detroit Pistons. Um, so you know, take that as you may. But in general, it's been real up and down. Um 11 and 11 right now, you know, they'll tie with a bunch of teams at 500 and that's, you know, six through 10, you know, playoff spot right now, quarter of the way through uh, the game before this against the Kings, that, that was the real awful one where they had a 13 point lead with six minutes left and gave up 45 minutes, 45 points. The last six minutes of, uh, of regulation plus the three OTs uh, just horrid defense and just, uh, you know, a lot of settling on the offensive end. Um, people are the blame is really going I'm seeing four people really um, people are you know LeBron obviously AD Vogel and Palinka, right so this Lakers struggle or whatever where, where do you place that or percentages or ever however you want to divvy it up what do you where do you place the blame for this Laker situation so far? Being 500, uh, 22 games in, really still struggling to beat even, you know, lottery, high lottery bound teams. So uh, where are your issues? Uh, I really don't even know. I'll just, I'll just talk about all the blame. Um, Palenka. <clears throat> Palinka just, you know, and, and it's not like I don't even put Palinka by himself. I'll do Palinka and Jimmy because you, you know, my feelings about the rest trade aside, 
um, because obviously I, I felt like that wasn't the way they should have went. But you got rest. You didn't retain all your best role players that you could have retained. That was mistake number one. That was mistake number one. You know, all my thoughts, Caruso aside, and how I felt like people were gassing him up too much. I always, like I always told people, I think he was a good player. I think he's a good role player. And he's somebody who's a good role player on a championship team and he needs to be retained for those very reasons. That, it, was that, it was that simple to me. And he was easily retainable. You know what I mean? All, all the gas I was against the side, he was easy <laughs> to be retained. And they didn't because they were cheap. Like, that's just the bottom line. They were cheap, and that's why they didn't do it. So you lost a very good 3 and D role player who would have helped your, your perimeter defense and shooting, like, to, to today. And you lost that because you were cheap. That's number one. So that goes to you because you lost him, right? And you also – lost him knowing you did a trade that gutted your perimeter defense for a guy who you knew was going to be a questionable fit. So that those two things are on you. And that's very two important things because now they have a bunch of men guys who are terrible on defense and you're expecting men guys to be vet men guys to be valuable contributors on both ends of the floor. Like they're on the vet men, bro. They're on the vet men for a reason. They're not supposed to be doing that. So that's on, on that's on those two. I'll then talk about Vogel. <laughs> Offensive schemes, I don't know if he knows what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't think he knows what that is. Obviously, we know about his infamous lineups. Like, there's not much to be said. I, I've been a critic of Vogel since year one. I, I mean, my know. tweets are there. <laughs> I've always been questionable about him. He had a good playoff run, but I, I wasn't always a believer because he does too much questionable stuff. And now that everybody's looking for a scapegoat this year and they found one in him, now everybody's saying the stuff I've been saying since year one and other people have been saying since year one. So it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to harp on too much on Vogue because I've been saying this. I've been talking about his flaws. Okay, so yeah, so that's, let, let's, let's talk about Vogue and Palenka before we go to the, the two big guns on the team. Um, okay, because I, I was going to get into yeah, those two. Yeah, <laughs> let's start with, the, start with the administrative stuff first. Uh, I'm with you on Vogel, Jeannie. Um, I think the Caruso thing is pretty clear that that was beyond Vogel. I think I think what it is, I'm not believe uh, beyond Palinka. It was on Genie. I think they were probably given a my my honest opinion is they were given a choice of, you know, we're only going to pay THT or Caruso. It's not going to be both because of the, that, that's what I think happened. Oh yeah, I, I know. That's, I told people that before free agency that okay. was going to happen. Yeah, so I think that's what happened, and then they 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 chose THT obviously with the potential. Yeah, and all that. So I think you know, could they have done both? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Lakers would be you know taking out a PPP loan if they if they signed Caruso, <laughs> right? So I, I, I'm with you. That, that that was cheap. Um, the Westbrook trade. Here's why I'm at with Westbrook. I, I can't believe like we're in the twilight zone. I'm gonna have to defend after a rough start like the last two weeks. I'm looking. I'm like. He's doing what he has to do to fit in. He stopped taking, like, if you see the mid-range pull-up, yep. unless it's the end of the shot clock, he stopped taking those. Uh, he's shooting decent from the 50% from the corner three. Um, like, he stopped taking the early pull-up jumpers. Like, you can see he's being very self-aware the last few weeks, and his production is going really up. Um, on the flip end, I think, you know, probably AD and LeBron are probably paying for the lack of respect he gets as a shooter because the floor is a little pinched. So I, I will say that. 
Um, but all in all, I mean, I, I was I'm with you. I was against the Westbrook trade. I, I wanted to buy into more spacing. I think LeBron was was dead set on I am doing a lot less this season. Mm-hmm. Until I, I think that's what in LeBron's mind. He do are we getting Westbrook. I mean, I mean we can see that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I am doing a lot less until playoff time this season, which I, and I understand that vision. You know, I'm 37. I understand the long game is to get to the playoffs. I got hurt last year, even though it was a freak accident, not necessarily a wear and tear thing. A guy dove at your ankle, right? Then he got hit with the injury, taking the charge this season. Um, so I get the Westbrook thing. Um, I'm against it, but I'm not gonna like, you know have confirmation bias and say, oh, he's playing terrible. I think he's playing well, really well the last few weeks. Defensively, still gets lost a little bit too much for me uh, in no man's land, gets lost on zone, playing man. He ball watches, loses his man coming off screens. Like, that has to get better. But all in all, as far as adding that guy to your team, based on what we've seen the last few years, I think this is as you know as good as you can expect, in, in my opinion. So that's where I am with, you know, Palenka, Genie, and then – Vogel, obviously, with Vogel, the lineups, man, it's just DeAndre Jordan, he just, he just can't play. You know, it's a reason that the, the Nets put a 6'5 guy at center in Bruce Brown instead of putting that guy out there because they understood, you know, what he wasn't anymore. Oh, he struggles catching for something. He can't catch anymore like he used to. He's not even fitting the rim like he used to. And it's just, you know, everything's at the the 20 games in, like the data looks bad. And Frank still puts that lineup out there. Every Brad, like you said, you got these minimum guys who are playing like minimum guys. Right. I don't even think remember Eddie Bradley's contract's not even guaranteed, right? No. Nope. Non-guaranteed deal. Like they could cut him right now and just not owe him a dime. Like he's a non-guaranteed contract. Um, but I think Vogel likes the idea of Avery Bradley more than Avery Bradley. Like he thinks he can play defense still. Um, and he has, aside from some, a couple shining moments, though, he's been kind of sus on that end anyway. So Vogel is a mixed bag. My only thing was people say, I'm not, I'm not throwing bail to Vogel. I was just saying that the problems are not a hundred percent on him. Like the roster construction is iffy, you know, your two best players who we're going to talk about in a minute, aren't giving you a hundred percent or not a hundred, not even hundred percent, just like optimal effort night to night. You don't know what to expect from them as far as the level of engagement. And I think, you know, that filters down through the rest of the team. And I think Vogel just, you know, obviously this is how the, the, the NBA is. The coach is going to get the most blame first before anything. So, like, it is what it is at that point. I was just pointing out that, you know, the Lakers aren't doing the full job. Like, 11 and 11 is not all Vogel with the type of top-end talent that the Lakers have. So, that's all I wanted to add about Vogel. I'm not throwing him bail. He's got to be way better with his lineups. And more creative offensively, there's way too many possessions where there's eight guys watching AD go one-on-one with his man or eight guys watching LeBron go one-on-one with his man. No split action, no cutting, um, no screen for screener, none of that off the ball, just watching those guys try to force help and, you know, kick out to a shooter. There's just no creativity offensively to your one of your big points about Vogel. So on to AD and Bron, you got it. <laughs> And, you know, you made a good point because as much as Westbrook leaves a lot to be desired defensively, um, he's actually been one of the only few ones to give some type of effort on that in these recent games. Um, Yes, he has actually played well. You know, that's why I haven't said anything about Russell Westbrook because um, 
we've gotten a controlled Russell Westbrook these past couple weeks. Uh, so when one's playing within himself uh, on both ends of the floor, and ones who who knows when to uh, one who's understanding when to impose himself and score attack, and when to defer to the other two. So I think Russell's playing controlled basketball. Uh, hasn't been much slander on him because he's really not playing bad. Um, that's really, just really what the tape's showing. That's what the stats are showing. Who is playing bad is LeBron and AD. Now with LeBron, he's cadding, doing his usual. Um, he he's a uh, you know he's a uh, not <laughs> not getting back, uh, getting to his spots, rotating a certain way. But he's 37, dealing with multiple injuries. It's to be expected. 19 years in the NBA, the high, the most minutes ever played in the history of basketball. You know what I mean? Like, I can't really get on somebody who's put that type of, you know, put that so much to the game of basketball. I can't really get on somebody like that, especially when you know when he's there, it happens. You know, you turn on that uh, Indiana Pacers game. He won that game for him. Like that's what that's what all time greats do. So like you know, with LeBron, you know, it's if he wants to exert his will, he wants to dominate game. He's going to be capable of doing it. But he's older, so he has to pick and choose when he's able to do that. <sighs> that brings us to the next. That brings us to the next person. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I know you was about to. Go. <laughs> I saw the silence. <laughs> that, you know, you know, and I gave I gave him his benefit of the doubt. He was going through that sickness and all that. Then he got better, and it didn't get better. He got better, and the play didn't get better. That's that's not good. You know what that's telling me? It's telling me a lot of complacency is in Mister Number Three. Um, you know, I was concerned about this when he made those comments and said, "I ain't got nothing to prove." <laughs> I was concerned he really believed that because he's playing like he really believes that. And the fans are getting annoyed that he's playing like he really believes that, even though they were defending him, saying it was okay to say that. And other people were saying, no, it's not okay to say that. And now they're seeing why it's not okay that he said that. Because if you want somebody to have continued dominance and continued greatness, mentally speaking, you can't be satisfied. You you just can't because that's what's going to drive you to keep going out there through all the annoying day-to-day mundane games and all this stuff to keep chasing greatness is that you're not satisfied. And he's playing like someone's satisfied. Look, last year, because I want to make a point about how bad the Lakers defense is. Last year, the Warriors were getting absolutely destroyed to start the season. Defense was completely terrible. Draymond Green comes back. And now all of a sudden they're a top five defense. Oh my. Oh, because yes, you know dude. what happened? An all-time defender came back and got guys in their spots and busted his ass on, on the defensive end and said, This is what I do, and I'm gonna keep doing it. Everybody wants to put AD defensively as that type of defender. Well, where is it? Where is it? I'm not asking you to make this team a top 10 defense, but they can't be top 15 with you as the anchor. Rudy Gobert makes terrible point-of-attack defenders look like a top-10 defense every year in the regular season. That's how he gets defensive players of the year. 
Because we know those guys can't guard nobody when it comes to the playoffs, <laughs> but every single regular season, their defense is good. Because Rudy Gobert cares about defense and wants to play defense at a high level. But ADE doesn't want to do that this year. So you know what happens? A team that even though they have bad defenders that could be a above average defense, they look terrible because their best defender doesn't want to put his best effort on defense. That's just the reality of the situation. We talk about all the bad defenders they have and all that, and I get it. But at the end of the day, if AD was dominant on defense, we'd be an above average defense at the minimum. Yeah, it erases a lot of that. And, that, and that's what that's what dominant anchors do. Uh, and, and I'm with you on that. Um, with LeBron, for me, a lot of it was just expected for, the, for me. It's like he's not like after, after getting hurt last year, he's like, nah, we, I'm, I'm getting, I think LeBron just sees, okay, get me to the playoffs. Yeah. Right. And I think that's his end game. And I don't know if he expected it to be this hard to get there. <laughs> I know the Lakers don't want to be in that playing again. Right. So I think he's going to exert himself a little more. Like even tonight, they came out, him and AD came out. I think they set the tone early. I, I posted a screenshot of their, their shot chart in the first half, and they only took four jump shots between them in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like they were dead set. Like Detroit's not very good defending the rim. I get that, but they still made a concerted effort. Okay, we 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 going to the rim tonight. So with LeBron, I think you're right. I think he just wants to on defense. He wants to play that backside when he got to run and rotate and sprint out. I don't mm-hmm. think he's doing that no more, <laughs> or mm-hmm. or just in limited in, in limited uh in definitely in limited. Sprint. When you get to the playoffs, since a half court game, he'll do it, but he's not doing it. You no, know, eighty two. And I get it. Thirty seven most minutes ever. If we'll be coming off. Uh, Injury this year again, the the abdominal right after taking that charge. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I get it. Um, I think both of our hope. I think last year we said this. We ended up both being wrong. We thought AD was going to kind of get start getting that mantle, like of having a team passed on to him, and it just for some reason. Which I, I get it. I, I I think I understand. It. It's 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 not being passed him just because AD is just not. He's not an initiator. He's a finisher, and it's hard to have a finisher take the mantle of your team because he has to be put in a spot to be effective. So I think, I, I, think that's, uh, I think that's I'll the push. Thing. I'll push back on that. You know, lots of guys with finishers and they dominated. Um, Hakeem was a finisher, you know. Okay, so you're, you're right. You're right. Let me, fix, let me fix it. But thing, I'll change it. That, that's a good point. Hakeem and Shaq were excellent passers when they got doubled. That's true. That's they a good were, point. That, I'll give you that. that, that that's I'll, I'll tinker it. Will you double but why, it? But, but, but why hasn't AD gotten better at that? He knows that's been his weakness for years. That, and that, I think, but I you, think, but you I, see what the problem is, Maples? It comes back to AD. Why are you not improving on your weaknesses? Why? Why are you not trying to dominate night in, night out? Why do we still have the same questions of you that we had in New Orleans? Why do we still have that now, 28 post-title run? <laughs> Why do we have that? That's my problem. Like, you still questionable motor, can't physically impose himself on a consistent basis, questionable IQ out the double, finding guys open. But now in L.A., instead of saying that, hey, I have these weaknesses, let me play to my strengths and improve on them and expand my game, he's like, okay, I had those weaknesses in New Orleans. Gentry saw I had those weaknesses and made me a play finisher and kept making me a role guy. I'm in L.A. I got more power. Uh, I'm not going to work on those things. I'm just going <laughs> to try and play the way I want and show everybody that I'm elite playing how I want to play. 
But guess what? You play the way you want, and now you're taking fade, bad fadeaway jumpers. You're trying to get your ISO on the elbow, but it's like nobody respects that ISO because, one, they want you taking a trash-ass mid-range because they know you can't make it. Two, they know you're not going to find any cutters, so they're, they're going to shrink the ports floor exponentially because they know you're not making that read. So you're not making that read. You're not going to hit that fadeaway. You can't drive to the rim because they have a smaller guy. You're not beating him off the bounce. And even if you do beat him off the bounce, they'll, make, they'll meet you at the rim with the help side and make you make a pass because they don't think you can make the pass. So it's like, bro, you're literally hindering yourself and the team to prove a point. I, in my opinion, I feel like you're trying to prove a point at this point. I don't know what, why you're doing this because it's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for the team. Like, I just don't – it's just not helpful for him to play this way. Yeah. It's just not. You know how talented he is? You look at the numbers. He's still having, like, a great he's, team. Like, that's, he, he is. That's that's how much talent the guy exactly has. Right. He that's, can shoot, like, terribly. He can shoot jumpers god-awfully. Still falling to 25 and 10. Yeah, right. That's that's what, like, that's the insane part about this. It's like he's still having, an, like, a crazy season. Um, not a crazy season, but like it's just super effective. Like he just walks in the 25 and, and eight or 25 and, and, and 10. Um, last team before I move on one more thing I want to I want to talk about before we get out of here. How did you feel about they, you know, AD? Obviously, that stat came out. Worst jump shooter in the league, uh 16.7% on threes, worst jump shooter in the NBA on uh at his volume of, of half high volume guys. Um <clears throat> How did you feel about Frank saying they're okay with his shot selection right now? And he wants him to keep like he can still he wants him to keep shooting those. So I I, I have a I'm, a I'm a mixed bag about that. How, how do you feel before I respond? <laughs> that's just that sound like we need him post LeBron to recruit stars <laughs> to keep winning. That's what that talks sound like. That's what that talk sound like. Is that well, we need him post LeBron, and we need to keep him happy. That's what that talk sound like. And here's my thing. And I think um, shout out Jason LT. Jason LT made this point. It was like, well, we're, like and this is why I kind of understand it, even though I'm against him falling into love with the jump shots because he's such a great finisher. With Westbrook out there, like somebody has to be a respectable shooter. So I get why yeah. he has to take a few. Um, yeah, I get that from yeah. the on-court perspective. You know, aside from me making my comments on AD, <laughs> they do need him to find his shot again for himself and for the team. It'll be useful if he falls into a positive regression. So I get the logic on the court of saying, hey, keep shooting because we need you to make shots. Yeah. So I understand the aspect. My thing is, like, it should be, like, six jump shots a game, like, not 13, like the other night against the Kings, like, where he's, you know, two, like, two for 13 outside the key. Like, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, pushing the too much button. Like, that's okay. Whoa, Nelly, bring it down. So, all right, putting your feet to the fire. Are the Lakers going to fix this? Or are they going to just kind of, you know, go through the mud all year? Because I looked, I looked at their schedule. They don't have a, like, there's no part of the Lakers schedule. Like, there's some road trips, but there's no part of the Lakers schedule. It was like, it said there's one at the end of January where they play like four or five teams that are doing really well right now. But you look at the rest of the schedule, there's not a, a, a really a, a stint that's like, well, this is a, this is a skid row of basketball games. So it's not like they'll be in here. Like obviously you know, the Grammy trip is going to happen, right? Where they'll be on the road for X amount of uh, weeks or whatever. But 
So with that in mind, you think they're turning around or they're fighting through the mud all year? If they're fighting through the mud all year, they're not winning anything because that means they failed at the deadline. Like I said. Oh, yeah. This, that, this, oh, yeah. Go, just tell, tell them your theory, man. Tell, give, give, like, give, I said, give theory. like I said, man, I'm expecting a deadline miracle. I'm expecting a lot of guys to be gone and to be replaced with affected players who will fill the roles that need to be filled on this team. That's why I'm expecting come deadline because there's a lot of redundant parts that need the ball in their hand to be effective, and that's not going to cut it come playoff time. You're going to need guys who are going to want to do the dirty work, guys who are going to want to just spot up and defend. And I'm expecting those guys to be brought in around the deadline. If the Lakers are serious about winning, that will get done by the deadline, and I'm expecting that to get done by the deadline. Yeah, I think a lot is riding on what none and Ariza bring to the table. Like those are some wild names to be depending on twenty twenty one. But I think as far as like the margin trades, like what those two bring to the table is going to mean a lot. As far as you know, THT they like the kid Reeves, right? Um, Monk. Right for guys like that, it's gonna be you know what I mean. Like there's only so many minutes, is what I'm saying. Because you got LeBron and AD and Russ was that 35 apiece, right? So that's two spots on the floor that's splitting minutes. So we know we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, have you heard a timetable on either of those two? Ariza or there's no timetable. That's what Vogel kept saying. There's no timetable on them. Wow. That they'll give an update when there is, so it's not looking like anytime soon. I get a reason as an older guy, but damn, none is young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, all right. So before we get out of here, Ken, I know you don't, you know, dip your toe too much, and you but you probably have watched these guys a little bit. I know you don't get too deep into the uh, NBA draft stuff until the, you know, towards draft time when you watch check out a lot of guys' season film. Uh, but Chet and Paolo Banchero. Did uh, go back and forth the other night. It was a really good game. Um, Duke pulled it out. I think those are the consensus top two or, you know, some teams, some like Hardy, the guy who's in the uh, – Hardy's in the G League right now. I mean, th- those are the consensus top two coming into the year. So Right. I'm saying, like saying but, you know, the only thing – people like Hardy too, but I think, you know, Chet or, or Powell is going to go one and two. Um, just spitballing at this point, you know, we just watched that great game. Who who do you who do you lean toward right now as being you know a guy if you got the number one pick out of those two who you taking? Man, I, I guess it really just depends on what you want from your team. I know for me personally, I'll take Paulo just because he has an NBA body ready already. Um, I think I like his game. I like his skill set. I think he'll he'll be quickly become a twenty and ten guy. I think Chet has a lot of great attributes about him and he could, it's, it's so many, Chet is interesting because there's so many ways he can develop. Man. Yeah. So you don't know where you're going to get, but I think Paolo has a trajectory. I think that's tried and true. Uh, very physical, uh, in-between player, going to get to the rim, going to be able to take and make mid-range shots. Uh, very uh, versatile scoring in that in-between area. And then and getting to the paint, I think that's a tried and true, uh, traditional, pop, big power forward, small center type of game that he has, and he and he has it with a handle. So I just think Paulo's going to be physical, 
and he's going to be a safer number one pick, in my opinion. But I do think Chet, because he can develop in so many ways, very skilled with the ball, has a, a has very uh, you know, uh, un very rare athleticism for his size and very rare fluidity. Um, he can shoot it that's, a little that's, bit. That's exactly so it's like he can really is. develop in a, a lot of ways. But it's gonna t- I think he's going to take a creative player development uh, staff as well as creative coaching to really get him to be one of those unicorns. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, where I think Paolo is just going to be simpler to develop and simpler to get high impact out of right away. Right. Do you see Chet as a five? Because he is seven feet tall. You see him as a five or a four. And you see and that. That's what I'm saying is like, he could be either or. Right. You know what impressed me about Chet? You know, I'm 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 with you. I like Paolo's still my guy, but I think watching Chet, the gap is closed for me. Is that defensively, he already has an understanding of how to hoop at a high level. Yep. Like he understands help, how to use his length against guys who are smaller and quicker. He's already great, like anticipation on weak side blocks. Mm-hmm. And then he like that play where he blocked the shot. And then took it coast to coast with the wrap and finish like that to me is like that's one percent of stuff. Like it's, yeah. it's not too many guys that that's going to get a weak side block as the help guy on the anchor on defense. They'll bring it up, do an in and out wrap into a dunk finish. Right? It's like, man, who the hell is doing that? So I like Paolo, but you know, just like the things you said, it's just like it feels safer. He's already and say he's got that three level score gene. You can see he's going to definitely extend his range out to three point line. He can already handle. Um, he's one of those, I think college is too easy for him. Like he just, he just scores. Like he's getting everything he wants right now. I don't know how pushed he is at this, at this moment in time, but man, Chet is, Chet has got some chance. Like, obviously I, I don't think he's dragging Bender. You know, it's always a, a, a fear with these, you know, tall, frail guys that once they start dealing with the physicality of the NBA, right. Things get a little, get a little tougher, but I think Chet's going to be just fine. It was so funny. I'm not going to reveal my source. What is literally scouts in the league that are that said Chet might drop because teams are scared to take an American-born white player. <laughs> they just have not been able to find one like that one. They thought it was Kevin Love. He hit his ceiling. Larry Bird. He hit his ceiling. They just they can't find one. Like that's literally an issue that I heard from somebody who talks to NBA scouts. Like that is no troll. No, no joke. Me getting off like somebody literally told that to me. Who talks to NBA scouts? Like that is. Legit. I mean, it makes sense. You can see with the draft, <laughs> right? So you can see with the draft, so that's not a shocker. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Want to give a get, get your opinion on that real quick before we get out of here. Anyway, um, hit follow and subscribe on the pod. Appreciate you guys keeping a tap in. Uh, we had a record month last month, man. Keep it going. We appreciate you guys pushing it forward. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It uh, it's definitely appreciated. Uh, follow it's Kingsborough on Twitter, myself, JJ Maples underscore, uh, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Uh, rate, um, leave comments on the pod, give us feedback on the timeline, DM, whatever. Um, we appreciate y'all. We are back next week. We are out of here. Peace, y'all. Thank you.